Hello and welcome to Cycling Sports Commentary. I'm your host, Trevor McNeil, and today we have an interview with Coach Fenley of the Iowa State women's basketball team. He's the head coach. So yeah, let's get it going. Okay, so y'all made yet another Sweet 16 run. Who and or what are a few things that made this season so successful and why? stay healthy but with um Ashley and Aubrey going down against Baylor what did it look like yeah I mean I, I think obviously when you lose quality players um it, it's tough and, and certainly when you lose them against a, a team the caliber of, of a Baylor or a Texas but I think the big thing is not just everyone looks to points and rebounds it's it's about the minutes in the game too we you know we were playing kids that didn't really play much all year so uh, I thought we we did the best we could uh, you know luckily it was a, it was a one-week thing but uh, you know that's what you have to fight through and, and uh, there's 200 minutes in a game that, that you got to eat up with your players and uh, that was the week where we had to be a little more creative but uh, luckily we came out of it and uh, could regroup and, and get, get it going again. So I guess since we're on the topic of Texas and Baylor um, after going 0-5 combined against those two, what makes the teams tough so so tough to beat? And what did y'all learn from those losses? Um, well, I, I think with um, in regards to, to both teams, the, the size, uh, you know, we, we have trouble with a team with, with great size. Um, and then the physicality of the game, that, you know, our, our style is more, I guess, a, a finesse kind of style so uh you know we played we lost to texas in overtime in the conference tournament and i thought we we competed really really well uh the the size of baylor uh, as you can see they had two people in the top 10 in the wnba draft right. so uh, you know that was something that you know basketball is so much about matchups and, and those two teams were not really good matchups for us and uh you know it's something we have to get better we, we have to we have to learn from it uh, we have to do the kinds of things that, that we need to do to, to combat that. But uh, luckily, uh, Melissa Smith and Queen Egbo aren't going to be around anymore. So hopefully, uh, uh, at least we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I I was uh, about to ask about Queen, but you pretty much talked about her right there. So um, moving on then. What did the 77-70 to 70 win against number 12 Iowa and Caitlin, Caitlin Clark mean to the team? And did it create a momentum swing or continue an ongoing momentum swing? Uh, obviously a big win for our team. Uh, it's a big game in our state. Uh, the Iowa State-Iowa 
Uh, rivalry is real. Uh, it's very important within the borders of our state. Uh, people uh, view it as maybe you know, we don't have major league sports, so uh, it becomes a huge deal. Maybe outside of our our state, people don't realize it. Like with every you know rivalry, but uh, I was an outstanding team. I thought we played really, really well. Uh, it was a very, very good game. Uh, I thought it was a game that uh, you know showed us early what we were capable of doing. Um, it kind of propelled uh, us to a really solid non-conference season. And, you know, that's a, it was a really, really good quality win against an outstanding team. Um, what what did the impact Caitlin Clark have? Like, how were y'all able to shut her down? Uh, you know, we did the best we could. Caitlin's an outstanding player. Uh, Lexi Denarchi uh, guarded her most of the night. Lexi's an outstanding defender with the Big 12. Defensive player of the year, and, and, and you're not going to shut Caitlin out. She has the ball so much. She's a high-volume shooter. But I thought Lexi did an outstanding job of making her take tough shots, keeping her off the free throw line, uh, you know, trying to limit uh, the, the, the easy assist. So uh, she's an outstanding basketball player, but I, I thought our team defense was really, really good that night. And, gave us a chance to, to win the game. With the topic of defense, there were 14 games where your girls held teams to under 60 and 13 games where teams scored over 70. At what points were the defense inconsistent at times? Um, you know, I think a lot of the, it goes to who you're playing. Uh, some of it is the pace of the game. Um, like we play Oklahoma, the game is played at a really high pace. So it's not so much to me, you know, the, the points that you give up. It's, it's, it's the margin. It's the possessions in the game. Um, you know, we're a team that works really hard to uh, do scout report defense. So our league is very different um, in the sense of it's, it's not a league that everyone plays the same way. Uh, it's a league where you're going to see a lot of different styles, which leads to a lot of different pace of play. So I think you're going to see scores that are all over the map. So I think that's what led to the, you know, the differences in, in, in scoring numbers throughout the season. What types of things did you change from the previous season of 2020 and 21? Uh, you know, we, we didn't change a lot of stuff. Um, you know, we, we, we changed some, some of our offensive philosophy and where we wanted to play Ashley Jones. Uh, you know, our guards were a year older. Uh, we kind of had a, uh, you know, a, a, a mixing and matching of, of our four starter on the perimeter, whether it's injury or play. We started four different people uh, in that spot uh, throughout the year, so we had to manage that. And the, the biggest probably thing that we had to change is we, we kind of did our post-play by committee, we graduated Christian Scott, who was a different kind of five-man than what we have on our roster right now. So probably the biggest change was, was incorporating uh, our new uh, post-play option and who was our fourth perimeter starter. Other than Texas and Baylor, of course, what other teams tested your offense the most? Um. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, when you saw, we had six really good teams that made the NCAA tournament. You know, Kansas had a really good run. Uh, they're very physical. Their guards are good. Uh, Oklahoma tests your offense because they score a lot. And you have to, 
um, you just have to keep scoring with them. Uh, they're a team that likes to play with great pace, and uh, you got to keep doing that. And then Kansas State, uh, you know, their pace of play is a lot slower, so you can't waste possessions with your offense. So, like I said, in our league, it's so different game to game. So you just have to understand, I think, the number of possessions you're going to get. Shot selection is, is critical. And like we all, you know, we, we spend a lot of time trying to be a good free throw shooting team, trying to do what we can to, to maximize our possessions, special situations, inbound plays, things like that. So when you, when you, when you have to do that in our league, you got to be real efficient. And I thought for the most part, you know, we were. Um, I agree because, well, I'll, I'll save that actually. Um, oh, with that win in Hilton against Oklahoma, it, y'all were able to score, as you said, and y'all still held them to a decent amount of points. Why were you able to do that? Well, I, I think we did a really good job of when you're scoring, um, they have to take the ball to the net, and it takes away their transition opportunities, which is big. And then our quarter-court defense, uh, what we term scatter report defense, was really good. I thought we did a really good job on, on Taylor Robertson, Maddie Williams, who are dynamic scorers. But, you know, when you play a really good offensive team, your offense can really help you. And, and, and I thought our kids did a really good job of not allowing transition baskets, uh, no live ball turnovers the kinds of things that, that allow your defense to get set and have a chance to be successful. What type of conditioning workouts or practices did the team do during the off season to make them better? Uh, we have a very good strength and conditioning coach. Um, and, and she does a really good job of, of maximizing, uh, you know, what we need to do individually and collectively uh, basketball is a really long season, so you, you got to be very careful that you don't overwork your kids. So it's, it's all about flexibility. It's all about building uh, a base, uh, building towards the season, and 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 then obviously in the off season we're we're very limited on um, right. the amount of time we can spend with our kids. So you know, it's, you know as a Division One athlete, you you have to make the choice uh, to do the things that you need to do for yourself. They they know they're they know themselves better than anyone. So it's like, if I need to do more, do I need to do less? Um, you know, the, the best line that I heard a long time ago was players are made in the off season and teams are made during the season. So it's up to our players individually to come back in September uh, in the best shape they can be in so we can get the team stuff going. But we have highly motivated kids. Uh, this is a tough, tough level. So uh, hopefully that'll be the case this off season. What type of team bonding activities did you do to draw the team closer, as you said, connected? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of little things that teams do. And, and, and yeah, you, we all do stuff together. You know, we have uh, a lot of it comes through recruiting visits. Uh, a lot of it is um, that they organize. You know, we have movie night. Uh, you know, we, we have a, a really beautiful arcade place right by our practice facility we'll go over there um we do a lot in the community um going to elementary schools doing things uh you know getting out and, and, and touching with our fan base and 
those are bonding experiences. It, it shows our players uh, how connected our fans are to them, and, and and then they get connected with each other. But um, you know, it, it, there's, it's the little things. You know, you know, you can do one or two really big things, and yeah, it helps. But it's the day to day little stuff that they do. You know, the dinners that they have, the bus trips, the air, you know, the air, airplane rides. That we played the tournament in Florida in November, and and we were there. We were together for a week, and and I think that was the start of the bonding of this crew. What did it mean to play at home in the tournament? I was big. Um, I think it's something that number one you earn. Uh, number two, we have a phenomenal fan base, so. Uh, I think our kids really enjoy the opportunity to to play at Hilton. All of our former players always tell me uh, if they could do one more thing, they wish they could play another game at Hilton. And we got to play two uh, this year because of of, of of our seed. So it was a great experience. Uh, it was great for our community. Uh, you know, we 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 beat a very good Arlington and Georgia team to advance. So um, great experience and. and uh, one that uh, we were happy to share with our fans. Along with the tournament, why, what made Creighton such an underdog? Because they were able to come out and beat Iowa and then beat Iowa State a couple of nights later. No, Creighton's a very good team. That's what the NCAA tournament's about. Um, you know, the seeding is, is one of those things I've always said is, the NCAA tournament is created for matchups, and the number next to your name just dictates the color jersey you're wearing. Uh, they're a very well-coached team. Uh, they play a style that's unique that's really, really hard to prepare for in one day. Um, and, and they had some really good wins all year. So I think you, you, you saw a team like them, a team like South Dakota, you know, Villanova, Belmont, uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, there are some teams that really stepped up and, and, and had some really quality wins. and uh, I think that was a, a great thing for the tournament, and, and certainly Creighton deserved a, the, all the attention that they got. They played very well. All right, so I have three more for you. Um, what will the return of Ashley Jones mean for the coming season? Oh, it means a lot. Um, you know, Ash is certainly one of the best players in the country. Her her numbers and all the awards that she's getting uh, say that. But I think the, the way she is with her team, uh, her commitment to Iowa State women's basketball is huge. She loves to be in college. And uh, I think she just continues, gives us another chance to, to go into the year with, with a, a really solid foundation and a, and a phenomenal player to build your team around. So, with many questions about who's who else will return, who else will transfer, and who else will just move on, how can you recruit and use the portal to build another great roster for the upcoming season? Yeah, the, the, the portal has become um, a real big thing in our, in our sport. And the one thing that we've learned is, number one, you, you can't ignore it. It's here to stay. Uh, it impacts every team at some point, some more than others, on a given year. But I think the biggest thing it does is it, it makes you build your team as best you can year to year. It's not like it used to be where you bring a kid in and 
you groom them and oh, they're they're going to be your starting point guard when they're a junior or you know that those days are over. Um, so our job as coaches is to recruit and build a team right now that we can put on the court next year and not worry beyond that because you don't know what's going to happen and it, it makes it really hard on the coaches. It makes it hard on the kids, uh, but it is what it is. So. Uh, when you're when there's 1,300 kids in the portal, uh, it tells you that there's going to be a lot of movement. Uh, you know, obviously kids make those choices. Uh, there's coaching changes. Uh, a lot of things happen. So we're just trying to do the best we can to identify what we need. And if we can find someone in the portal, great. If not, um, you move on to the next year. But it's a it's an ongoing, everyday process. It's not like used to say, all right, after the spring, here's our team. We'll see you guys in the fall. This goes on all year long. So uh, you just got to be ready for it. Um, final one for you. What? Obviously, there wasn't a, a lot of things you changed last year. There's probably not a lot of changed things to come this upcoming year, but... What do you think there would be to change this upcoming season? Um, you know, there's always things you want to you want to adjust, um, add. Uh, you know, those are things that we'll evaluate once we know exactly when spring recruiting is over and where we are with our with our roster. But um, you know, we're not going to change a ton of stuff. I mean, we you know, one of the things, Trevor, we do here is. We talk all the time about we are going to embrace who we are and not apologize for what we're not. So we're going to we're going to be who we are. We're going to be Iowa State. We're going to shoot the three. We're going to play with some pace. Um, I like like it to be a little bit better defensively. Um, you know, we got to create some depth uh, at every position. I think we wore down wore down a little bit last year. We had some kids injured at the end of the year, so um, all those things go into it, but. You can't make a whole lot of plans until you know who's on your team. Right. So uh, we, we got to get that figured out first. Well, it was one good season, and it was an exciting one to watch. I appreciate you coming on here with me. Trevor, it was a pleasure. Appreciate your time, buddy. Be well, okay? You as well. Thank you, sir. Go Cyclones. Yep. All right, so that was Coach Fenley, Iowa State women's basketball head coach. That wraps the episode up today. I hope you all have a good day. I am your host, Trevor McNeil, signing off. Thank you.